Well, hey, everybody, so good to be with you today. If you are here with us for the first time, welcome. My name is Jason Wolliver. I'm the directing pastor here at Crossroads. So glad to have you with us. This is week 11 in this fall message series, Practical, where we are going section by section through the New Testament letter of James, written by the little brother of Jesus, James, probably in the 40s AD, as he is serving as a leader in Jerusalem, he's writing to encourage Jewish believers scattered abroad. And so today we are in chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. Hear this reading. It says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, come. Strengthen our character. Help us to grow in this wonderful thing that you call patience, which you are working to develop within us already. Open our hearts to your word and your word to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you don't know me well, you might not know that I have four teenage children. Yes, four. A 19-year-old, a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 13-year-old. From the time that they were little, whenever possible, we have prayed with them before they went to bed each night. When they were very little, every night I would pray the same thing for them when I put them to bed. I would ask God to give them faith in him and a love for God, a love for others, and a love for God's word. And then I would put myself to bed and I would pray that God would give me patience with my kids. Yes, it was the difference between a good day and a bad day between me and my kids. If I, as a father, had been patient with them, no matter what ups or downs had taken place, at the end of the day, I always graded myself as a father, if I'd been patient or impatient. Now, if my kids are watching this, let's say, wow, Dad, we didn't know you were doing that. There were surely a lot of days when you got a C- minus at best, and a couple where we know you got an F. And it's true. Most of the times over the years, when I feel like I was at my worst as a father, it was when I wasn't patient with my kids, when I blew up, when I lost my temper. Now, most of us would prefer to have more patience than we do. And the passage we're reading today is actually a call for patience. Specifically, James seems to be calling these persecuted Christians who are going through a difficult season to be patient until Jesus Christ returns to vindicate them. But patience is one of the great godly virtues that is lauded throughout the Bible. The Greek word translated patient here is macrothumos. Macro means long. Thumos means heat. 
from this word we get thermometer. And so patience literally means long time to heat up. If you're a patient person, you have a, it takes you a long time to get upset, a long time to heat up. It's the opposite of being short-tempered. This is what James was talking about without using the word in chapter 1, verse 19, when he said, Know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. One could say that without patience, it's impossible to live into or bring about the will of God in the world. And patience is one of the great characteristics that is often mentioned as being a part of who God is. There's a several times in the Old Testament where it says that the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. In fact, in the New Testament, Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 9, uh, he says the reason that the Lord has not returned yet is because he's being patient with the human race not wanting any to perish. It says, the Lord is not slow about his promise to return, as some think of slowness, but he's patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to reach repentance. He's giving people more time to repent and turn to him. When one looks at different definitions of the English word translated patience, there are three different dimensions that often pop up. There are the themes of persevering, tolerating, and waiting. My favorite definition of patience is this, good-natured tolerance of delay or incompetence. What is patience? It's good-natured tolerance of delay or incompetence. I especially like it when people have good-natured tolerance of my delay or incompetence. But there are three different illustrations of patience that James gives in this text where he's calling us to patience. In verse 7 he says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and the late rains. This illustration demonstrates that patience is required when circumstances are out of our control. Any farmer knows that they're at the complete mercy of the weather. The weather has to be favorable for them to plant. The weather has to be favorable for them to harvest. The weather has to be favorable for the seed to grow in between planting and harvesting. And weather is completely out of our control. And we all have to deal with things that are out of our control. The economy is out of our control. Outcomes of elections are out of our control. The actions and the moods of others are completely out of our control. The only thing that really is in our control is our own attitude and actions. But when things are out of our control, patience is required. In verse 10, he gives another example. He says, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. The job of the prophets in the Old Testament was to go against the flow of society and call people to repent of their sins and turn back to God. They often preached against the rich and the religious and those in power, and they were not very well liked. Some prophets were abused, some were killed. Jeremiah, one of the most famous prophets, was known as the weeping prophet. And it's said that over 40 years of him preaching, there wasn't one known convert to his message. And this illustration shows how patience is required 
when we're trying to persuade people to turn back to God and give their lives to God. And we all have people we care about who, who their souls are in jeopardy. And maybe they don't believe in God or they're angry at God, but they're not connected with God. And we have to stay in it for the long haul with them, praying for them, asking God to bring them back and lead them back and praying for the right times to speak to them, try to influence them back to Jesus. You know, I know I've shared before about my maternal grandmother, Louise Canister, who married my granddad, Leo, in 1939. Before they got married, um, my granddad would go to church every week with his mom, even though he wasn't a baptized Christian. And so when grandma got married and he got away from his mother, granddad didn't go to church at all. He seemed to have no interest in it. So grandma started praying for granddad. And then after 57 years of praying, on October 27th, 1996, it was my mom's 50th birthday, and she got a call saying that my grandpa had started attending church with my grandma in their retirement community in Florida, and that he'd been baptized as a believer in Jesus. Mom said that was the best birthday present she ever could have received. After 57 years of praying, grandma's prayers and patience paid off. But when people that we care about seem resistant to God, it requires patience. The third illustration for patience is in verse 11, where James mentions Job. Now, the Old Testament character Job is a guy who had absolutely everything and lost it all. God allowed Satan to take Job's health, his wealth, and even his family. Job had no idea what he was going through, what he was going through. And sometimes we go through trials that bring us unspeakable pain and despair, and we have no idea why. Or even worse, we see loved ones suffering and going through trials and pain, and we have no idea why. And it's unexplainable. And I know many people say that's the first thing they're going to ask God when they get to heaven. Why did this have to happen? Why did this person have to go through this? And when problems or trials are unexplainable, patience and perseverance are required. Now, one of the reasons that James gives for why we should strive to be patient is because for Christians, troubles are always temporary. Troubles, they may seem overwhelming, but they are temporary. He says in verse 8, you also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The message throughout the New Testament is that Christ is coming back soon. So even if things seem very tough or unsatisfactory right now, just hold on. It will get better because Christ will return, raise the dead, reunite us with our loved ones who died believing in him, and we'll live with him in the new heaven and the new earth forever. Because of that, the best is always yet to come. And the New Testament calls us to always take the long view, the eternal perspective. Christianity falls apart if you don't see life on an eternal timeline. And the Apostle Paul always took the long view. He wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. Our trouble is temporary one way or another. But in truth, the Bible also encourages us that most of the trials that we go through will be resolved much sooner than at death or Christ's return. 
One of my favorite promises to cling to when things feel really hot and heavy is 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, which says, And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Just hold on a little while. Trouble is temporary. Now, not only are troubles temporary for Christians, but James says that patience has a big payoff. There are rewards associated with it. It says in verse 11 again, Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. In the end of the book of Job, after Job had lost everything and suffered greatly, it says this in Job 42, verses 10 and 12. The Lord made Job prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. God gave Job new property, new children, renewed health. Job went on to live a long life and died an old man full of years. The crazy thing is that when things got bad, his wife encouraged him to just curse God and die. But he didn't. He remained steadfast. He continued under the pressure, under the discouragement, not knowing why. He never let go of God and it paid off. Now, a more historic example outside of the scripture could be that of William Wilberforce, the British politician who in the early 1800s led Great Britain to the abolishment of the slave trade. He started trying to get legislation passed to abolish the slave trade in the House of Commons in 1978. And it wasn't passed for 18 years, but he just kept at it year after year. And finally, it passed. But even when the slave trade was abolished, it still didn't mean that those who were already slaves were emancipated yet and set free. That was not until later. It actually wasn't until three days before Wilberforce died in 1833 that he got word that additional legislation had passed that emancipated all slaves. 35 years after his crusade started, think about what would have happened if he had not been patient, if he had not given up. Patience pays off in many ways. It develops our character. It trains our tempers. It allows us to accomplish our goals and our dreams. It allows us to work through difficulties in relationships and keep our friends. When we develop patience, it breeds trust with others. It can bring admiration from others, but perhaps more important than that, it helps us have a deeper respect for ourselves. We have to apologize less and we feel less regret. So let's finish off by talking about what James says we should do when we're forced to wait, when we have to be patient and we feel stretched. What do we do? He gives some great thoughts here. Number one, when forced to be patient, we should watch our words. He says in verse 9, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. When we have to wait longer than we like, when things take longer than we thought they would, when things are harder than we'd hoped, we often begin to grumble. We look for someone to point the finger at, someone to blame, and the scriptures strongly advise against doing such grumbling. 
One thing to remember is that when we're forced to wait longer than we'd hoped, is that our tongues can either sink our ship or keep us afloat. Remember Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, which says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In James 3, we saw James comparing our tongues to rudders on a ship. The words we say can determine whether our attitudes go north or south, and whether other people around us feel lifted or discouraged. And so when you're forced to wait, don't start grumbling and complaining. Instead, speak encouragement to yourself and others. Say things like, this too shall pass. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. His grace is sufficient and will always be. I will survive and I will thrive. Or think of the old children's story, The Little Engine That Could. Remember that? The engine was trying to pull his heavy load up over a hill, and it seemed like it was a long shot that he would make it. But he kept speaking to himself, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And as he encouraged himself, he actually did get to the top of the hill, and then he started saying, I thought I could, I thought I could, I thought I could. It's a great example of someone or some inanimate thing uh, using the tongue as a power tool when patience and perseverance are required. Number two, when forced to be patient, concentrate on character. Concentrate on your own character. Verse 12, he writes, but above all my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. I discovered in my studies that there were two kinds of oaths the people took back then. Supposedly, if you took an oath and you directly used the name of God, or I swear by heaven, that was, you know, the way people referenced God without saying his name, then you were bound. But if you swore, took an oath, but you didn't use God's name, it didn't matter. You didn't have to do it. So if I said, I swear to God that I will do this, I better do it. But if I said, I swear on my mother's grave, it didn't mean anything. You can see the problem here. People's word meant nothing. If they just said they would do something, that meant nothing. Even if they took a certain kind of oath, that meant nothing. James says, cut out the oath-taking completely. Our character should be such that our words are strong enough. Our word is strong enough. Again, Jesus Christ said this very same thing in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, he's telling people, quit swearing by anything. He said, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. When our patience is stretched, if we feel weak, there's temptations to cut corners on our character. Don't do it. Don't sacrifice your integrity. Finally, when we're forced to be patient, obviously, we should keep trusting God. Again, look at verse 11. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. That means they didn't throw in the towel. They simply endured. He said, you've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord. Now, he couldn't see the purpose of the Lord when he was in it. He was just in it. But as he passed the test and he remained patient in suffering, then he could see the purpose of the Lord. He said, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. When times are tough and we keep trusting, we see the purpose of the Lord revealed over time. And then we also see the character of the Lord displayed in our lives. I love the words of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 36, 5 and 36, where it says, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. 
Patient endurance is what you need now so you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. So no matter how you would grade yourself in terms of patience today, there's room to improve. Remember, we're called to be imitators of God, and God is patient. He's not wanting anyone to perish. He doesn't give up on people. God is patient. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Not only are we called to be like God, but also this is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Mentioned in Galatians chapter 5, the, the, the Holy Spirit is working to produce in us. So you feel like you need to be patient? Well, God wants you to be patient, and the Holy Spirit is already working to increase your patience. And we also know that God, by the power at work within us, is able to experience abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. So let's throw ourselves into learning this sacred virtue of patience. With God's help, we can approve. We're not stuck where we are now. We strive to become more and more like Jesus in character and in the content of our lives with every passing day. Let's pray. God, I just thank you that you are patient with us. You allow us to fall and then get back up. You keep us in the family. Strengthen us to be patient in our, with others, patient in hard times, patient when things are out of control. And now we pray that prayer that unites us with your people of all time as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And now join as we pray, as we say what we believe together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified of our most recent content. If you have any comments or questions for us, feel free to jump over to WashingtonCrossroads.com. Thank you again and have a great week.